Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Check out our new website for all your news, updates, and episodes at NASCARfieldfiller.com. We have one spot left in the field, so let's fill up the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. Week 13 is now in the books. We just got done with Dover International Speedway, the Monster Mile, and we had some pretty good races here. Uh, let's be honest here, the ARCA race, we're not going to talk too much about it, but Ty Gibbs won it. He absolutely dominated no surprise there. And then the Xfinity race, we had three drivers really duking it out for the victory. Um, we'll get into that more. And then for the cup race, it was the Rick Henrik show. But before we get into all of that, I just want to mention something. The mascot marketing that Dover does is so damn impressive with Monster Mile. I mean, shoot, they don't even call Dover Speedway. Like, most people just already expect it to be the Monster Mile. They have his face plastered all over the walls. They got a big old statue of the mascot right there on the front straightaway. And they even have it as the trophy. I think Dover's onto something here. And I think other tracks need to follow in their suit. And it would be very easy. I mean, Texas has tried it with that lug nut guy. Of course, not really... Uh, popular as it is compared to Monster Mile, but let's think about it. Let's think about it. I can think of three tracks right now. For Bristol Motor Speedway, we can have Julius Caesar because it's the last great Coliseum. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire Speedway, we can have Larry the Lobster since they already have a lobster as the trophy. Can you imagine Larry the Lobster just flexing behind one of the drivers after a victory? Be freaking gold. And then at Sonoma for the Infineon, we can have, um, what, what would it be? How about a soccer mom? In her 40s, single, that drinks a bottle of wine every time they drop the kids off for school. Bam, perfect. You get a mascot for every single racetrack. Nobody will ever forget about these tracks. But just wanted to touch on that real quickly. But anyways, we're going way off topic right now. Let's talk about what we learned from each race. It's time to look at the final results here for the Xfinity race at Dover. Alrighty, so on Saturday, we had the 10th race for the Xfinity Series for the 2021 season, the Dry Den 200 here at Dover. We had three drivers miss the race. It's the three same pendejos every single time. And then for cautions, we had seven cautions for 45 laps. So a little bit of an interesting race as far as that went. And then nine different lead changes among six different drivers. So who was the victorious one? Who was able to bring in the checkered flag? I thought it would be the number seven of Justin Allgaier, but said no, it was the reigning champion, the number 22 of Austin Senrick for Team Penske leading 51 laps and getting his third victory of the 2021 season. Finishing second, we have the rookie as well as a dash for cash winner, the number 8 of Josh Berry, who led 48 laps in this race. Finishing third was the number 7 of Justin Allgaier, leading 94 laps and also winning stage number 1. Finishing fourth, we have the number 16 of A.J. Allmendinger. Finishing fifth, we have the number 54 of Ty Gibbs. Finishing sixth is the number 20 of Harrison Burton. Seventh place, we have the number 1 of Michael Annette. Eighth place, the number 39 of Ryan Sieg. Finishing ninth, we have the number 18 of Daniel Hamrick. And rounding out the top 10, we have the number 68 of Brandon Brown. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 10. In the 11th spot, we have the number 10 of Jeb Burton. Brett Moffin, the 02, finishes 13th. Noah Grayston, finishing 6th in both stages, winds up 15th in that number 9 machine. 
John Hunter Nemechek, who was having a really good run in the number 26 machine, unfortunately had a track bar problems. He fell multiple laps down, finishing 32nd. Kyle Sieg making his debut was not really that impressive as he gets into an accident on lap number 83, taking himself into the wall. Finishing 35th and 36th, we have Brandon Jones and Zane Smith getting into an accident with each other on lap number 67. Zane Smith was substituting for Justin Haley. As you can see, he did great in that number 11 car. And then rounding out the field in the number 61 machine, we have David Starr pulling it in after 18 laps due to overheating. And that is your final results here in the Dryden 200. So this was another fun Xfinity race as Xfinity series seems to be providing a lot of good races every single time they go out on the racetrack. It's going to be a fun race. Uh, and this one was no different. I mean, we had Brad Keselowski and Kurt Busch uh, up in the announcer's booth, you know, Guys you either kind of like or you really dislike. There's really nothing in between for those two. But they were kind of all right uh, in the announcer's booth. It was kind of interesting to keep hearing Kurt Busch going, oof. I mean, it almost reminded me of a Roblox game. But <laughs> that's all I got to really say. Nothing too spectacular from those guys. But it was still fun to listen to him. Austin Sindrick keeps proving time and time again why he's going to be the next best prospect to move up into the Cup Series because look what he did in this race. The highlight of this race for him, I'm not going to talk about the pit stop. I'm not going to talk about his great run in the last 50 laps. It was the lap before the end of stage number one where Ty Gibbs got into him at the front straightaway and any other driver would have spun out and hit the inside wall or the outside wall, and he was able to keep the car straight. If he doesn't do that, he does not win this race, and it goes to one of the JR Motorsports guys. However, keeps the car straight, um, keeps his head down the entire race, and they tr start fixing stuff, and then BAM! Right there at the end, getting the victory. This number 22 team is phenomenal. I am very curious to see how he does in the number 21 machine next year. And the number 33 car, nothing really too spectacular. But honestly, when drivers do part-time runs before they start their rookie year, the only one that I think has been successful was Brad Keselowski. Uh, that's about it. So I wouldn't really uh, be too worried about that. He's still going to be looking really good. It's going to be We're really going to see what he can do in the top series once he moves into the number 21 car. Also, another thing I wanted to mention was, man, the wrecks here were kind of brutal, uh, especially with the number 1392 and, and 78. In all honesty, we haven't seen a crazy wreck like this at Dover in the X-Fandy series since all the way back with Clint Boyer. I think that was either 2011 or 2012. That one was pretty brutal. This one was just about as bad because number 13 of Mass Jaskel really gets turned around and goes rear end into the number 78 machine and just jumps on top of the car. We don't hardly see that at all. So to see that action there at the Monster Mile, now people start to understand once again. It's like, oh yeah, this track is kind of crazy. And it's probably why this track has been on the NASCAR schedule for so long. Another thing is... Justin Haley, I'm pretty sure you guys already know about this, but he was out on COVID protocol and he was replaced by Zane Smith for this race. Zane Smith was running around the top 10, top 15. He was, he, he was doing all right, nothing too spectacular, and then gets into an accident with Brandon Jones, takes him as well as Jones out of this race. Some people blame Myatt Snyder. I really don't know on this one. It looks like he just drove it way too hard into turn number one. Takes them both out, and what a bit of a bummer there. You you get one race with this team, and what do you do? You wreck the living hell out of their car. I don't think you're going to be getting a call back anytime soon, but a bit of a bummer for them, especially for Brandon Jones, because he was running for that dash for cash. He just saw $100,000 just disappear right in his eyes as he went around turns one and two. 
And then with John Hunter Nemechek, this was a bit of a bummer because that 26 team is not a well-funded team, but this just shows how good of a driver John Hunter Nemechek can be. Running in the top 10 throughout the entire race, and honestly, the problem with his car was not really his fault. I mean, a track bar broke. So I wish that never happened because he was definitely going to be the field filler of this weekend because that team usually runs near the back and for him to have such a good run like that near the top 10 was pretty cool to see for one of those smaller teams. And then for Justin Allgaier and Josh Berry, they are definitely starting to get their rhythm together. I mean, running in the top two, top three the entire race, they've been looking absolutely phenomenal, been a little bit head and shoulders above everyone else. But, man, just in the end, Austin Sendrick, man, he's just such a dominant driver. There's really nothing else to say. Also, one thing I want to mention real quick is, how about Ty Gibbs and Harrison Burton bumping each other? Ty Gibbs, I know your granddaddy is the owner of that team, but you may not want to piss off the full-time drivers. I mean, you pissed off everyone in ARCA with your interview earlier this year. Do you really want to piss off Harrison Burton? You've seen his mom, and you've seen his girlfriend. Oh, man, they are just, like, going nuts every single lap. If you were to take them out, they would lunge at you and beat the crap out of you. And we don't want to see that happen. I- I'm down for a good fight here in the in the Xfinity series. But with that, eh, I, don't, I don't really want to see that fight too much. <laughs> but uh, Just craziness to see for the teammates going hard at each other like that. That's, that's pretty cool to see, but at the same time, it's also a little worrisome. It's just like, ugh. Ty Gibbs does not really have too much respect for some of these drivers. I mean, messes with Harrison Burton. Harrison Burton gets back with him. He almost takes out Austin Sendrick. Yes, he's a young kid, but Ty Gibbs, if you're going to be making enemies out on the racetrack, that's fine. Everyone has a rivalry. Just don't make it your teammate or the last reigning champion. Come on, son. You got to pick your battles. Overall, though, a really good race down here in the Xfinity Series once again. Now let's move on to the Sunday race, the big race, race number 13 in the Cup Series. It's now time for the Rick Hen- or excuse me, the Dry Den 400 here at Dover. Alrighty, so here on the 13th race for the 2021 season for the Cup Series, uh, no drivers missed this race. We had seven cautions for 41 laps. 10 league changes amongst 5 different drivers, 3 cars went to the rear at the beginning of the race, that was Ryan Newman for unimproved adjustments, the number 77 car because Josh Berry was subbing in for Justin Haley, and then Chase Elliott for multiple inspection failures. Seems like Chase Elliott is always starting in the back for something like this. It's basically common at this point. He won a championship for getting sent to the back. This happens all the time. But in the end though, it was a Rick Henrik driver, but it was the number 48 of Alex Bowman getting his second victory of the season, leading 98 laps. He is your winner here at Dover. Finishing second, we have the number five of Kyle Larson. Absolutely dominated this race, but does what he always does when he wins two stages. He chokes at the end. Finishing third, we have the number nine of Chase Elliott. Fourth place, the number 24 of William Byron. Fifth place is the number 22 of Joey Logano. In sixth place, we have the number four of Kevin Harvick. Finishing seventh, we have the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Eighth place, we have the number eight of Tyler Reddick. Finishing ninth is the number 99 of Daniel Suarez. Great run for him. And then round out the top 10, the number 41 of Cole Custer. Finishing 11th with his best finish here in the number 23 car of Bubba Wallace. Finishing 12th, we have the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. 13th is the number 1 of Kurt Busch. 14th, we have the number 3 of Austin Dillon. And 15th, we have the number 42 of Ross Chastain. Finishing 16th is the number 2 of Brad Keselowski. 17th is the number 17 of Chris Busher. Finishing 18th, we have the only open charter car in this race, the number 37 of Ryan Priest. And 19th, we have the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. And then rounding up the top 20 in the 20th spot 
is the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 20. We have Christopher Bell, multiple laps down in the number 20 machine, finishing 21st. We also have the Daytona 500 winner, Michael McDowell, finishing five laps down in the 25th position. Kyle Busch having some engine problems with the cylinder going down at the beginning of the race. However, they were able to bring it back. He finishes seven laps down in the 27th position. And then we have Chase Briscoe, the rookie. He runs into the wall near the end of stage number one. Able to get the car fixed, but he finishes 35th many, many laps down. And then round out the field, the number 10 of Eric Amarola, Keeping the shit show that is the 2021 season for him alive with another last place finish for Stuart Haas Racing. He left the racetrack 75% of the race done on lap number 300. And that is your final results here for the Dry Den 400 at Dover. So first things first, Rick Hendrick has done something that has only happened one other time here in modern NASCAR, and that was finished 1, 2, 3, and 4th. The last time this happened was back in 2005 at Homestead, the last race of the 2005 season, where Greg Biffle, Mark Martin, Matt Kenseth, and Carl Edwards finished 1st through 4th. Now, back then, you could have 5 cars on a team, so Roush Racing was a 5-car team, and they had um, Kenny Wallace in the number 97 finish 21st. That used to be Kurt Busch's car, but uh, he had uh, DUI problems after the Phoenix race. It's a it's a long story. It's pretty screwed up because the cop just arrested him for DUI, and then it turns out that they didn't really go through any of the DUI protocols, so they just made him deputy of the day. They almost ruined his NASCAR career back in 2005 because, hey, I just want to throw handcuffs on the 2004 champion. But I feel this is way bigger than that because they didn't have five cars in this race today for Rick Henrik. No, they only have four cars and they finished one through fourth and all of them at one point except for Chase Elliott led a few laps. These guys led about 96% of the race. That is more than what Martin Trex Jr. did in the 2017 Coca-Cola 600. It was the Kyle Larson show until about lap 300 where Alex Bowman's team had the fastest pit stop. They must have been haunted by Chad Knauss now being in an executive position because he must have been looking down. He's just like, hmm, it's time for me to fire some pit crew members. Now that I'm an executive of Rick Henrik, those guys shit themselves and put on a 12-second pit stop to get the victory. They survive another week. And Alex Bowman is the the second driver to be a multiple-time winner in the 2021 season. Nobody at all expected Alex Bowman to be the second repeated winner. I mean, let's be honest. Him and Michael McDowell, they seemed like one-and-done guys for the season. Getting their getting a victory, which was awesome, but I really didn't see them winning at any other track. And Alex Bowman has been kind of like the fourth-ranked car. Yes, Chase Elliott still doesn't have a victory yet, but he's looked a little stronger than what Alex Bowman has. I put him as a dark horse thinking, yeah, maybe he can get a top 10. Not a freaking victory, but very impressive for that team. I guess Dover just loves the number 48 car. In fact, the guy who put the car on top of Miles' hand, man, he is a prophet because he absolutely predicted that race to say, hey, the 48 car is going to win and look what happens. Man, give that guy a promotion because he was prepared for this shit. Now, sir, whoever did that, I I want you to put William Byron up there. I I really like the idea. I mean, the 24 car is pretty memorable at Dover because, you know, he got a victory. Um... At one point. So yeah, make make sure to do that. That'd be greatly appreciated. But 
The 48 team has always been good at this racetrack. Whether it was Jimmy Johnson or Alex Bowman, that team has always been up on top. And congrats to Greg Ives for getting his first victory. Now he can finally take that trophy home. But believe it or not, there was actually other stuff that happened besides Rick Henrik dominating this race. Yes, up front really wasn't that exciting. I mean, only 10 lead changes amongst five different drivers, and most of them came under caution. However, in the middle between third all the way back to 18th, the action was just great. Cars were just slipping and sliding. Nobody could really find a good spot on the track. It, w it was fun. There was a lot of passing going on, which we always complain about with this Gen 6 car, and we got it today at Dover. I mean, we saw even three-ride racing, which you never want to do on this racetrack, and they were still able to put on a good show for the fans, and there were a lot of fans out in the stands, so that was really cool to see. Some noticeable drivers here that I need to talk about. First things first, Kyle Busch. You know what? Usually when Kyle Busch has like a bad car or something, he calls it quits. I mean, remember back in 2007, he left his car and Dale Earnhardt Jr. subbed him out and that was just a really awkward situation. I don't know why in the world that happened. But in this race, he loses the cylinder at the beginning. Everyone's just like, oh, well, there he goes. That's the end of it. He's going to blow up any minute now. And he stays with the car all the way until the end. They finally figure out what the problem is and he still finishes 27th. Maybe not a great finish. Actually, it's a really bad finish. But for him to still stay with the car, even though their day was done, hey, round of applause for those guys. I mean, especially Kyle Busch. Way to stick with the car. You have shown that, hey, you're still committed to this team no matter what. And then for Josh Berry to make his Cup Seasons debut, everyone was really excited about it. I knew that he was racing with Spire Motorsports equipment. It's nothing that great. If it was that great, Justin Haley would be doing better in that equipment because he runs pretty good in the Xfinity series. Unfortunately for Josh Berry, he hits the wall, and Jeff Gordon, Clint Boyer, and Mike Joy sound so depressed like it was his final race of his career, and he wrecked. I don't know why they were so sad about it. They're just like, oh, no, oh, no, not Josh Berry. Oh, oh, my gosh, no. I was like, it happens, but he still was able to finish 30th. That's usually where Spire Motorsports finish, and when you have a damaged race car, there's not much else you can do. The controversial thing about this race was the number 14 of Chase Briscoe. Chase Briscoe was trying to stay on the lead lap, and he hits the wall and continues the bad luck for Stuart Haas Racing. Chase Briscoe goes behind the wall, and we think, okay, his day's done. He has a lot of damage. No, he states that he has a mechanical problem. So NASCAR says, oh, you're not on the time clock then. You got plenty of time to repair your car as much as you want. Then goes out there, loses some stuff, and then affects Ryan Blaney. The thing I have here with NASCAR is we've made this rule in effect so stuff like this didn't happen. So why did you guys let Chase Briscoe go back there to fix his car and go forward? If that was the case, any driver could wreck their car and say, oh yeah, mechanical problem with our brakes, and they could be like, all right, obviously they wouldn't do that for all cars, but that's kind of what it fits into that category. He hit the wall. It was due to that accident that he had mechanical problems, but they still let him go out there and it affected another driver, and I really don't see this as fair, if, especially for other teams who have had the similar situation. They said, nope, you're done. NASCAR, for the love of God, start being more consistent on your rules. This should be an open and shut case. It should be black and white. There's no gray area right here with this. You either have five minutes to fix your car, or if you don't uh, succeed in those five minutes, you're done. And if you get sent to the garage immediately, you're done. There shouldn't be anything in between, and you guys did for this, and it cost people like Ryan Blaney, and it may even affect Joey Logano because he had a hole in the car as well. And then... 
Eric Amarola. In that number 10 machine, man, just no luck at all for those guys. And honestly, at this point, I don't see them making it into the playoffs. They've had way too many bad finishes. And right now, they're in a must-win scenario. And honestly, I don't really see it happening. I, I see top 10s. I see that in the near future. I mean, they were running really good in this race, but now that they had another accident, that's another only one point leaving this weekend. And at that point, you can only take so much before you're just out of contention and you just got to get a victory. I don't really see that happening for Eric Amarola. He hit that wall and it just took him out and he was even hurt by it. So he's getting his butt kicked here for the 2021 season. Kyle Busch's worst season was 2020. Eric Amarola's is 2021. But you know who was back in form was Anthony Alfredo. I thought Anthony Alfredo was making improvements in that number 38 car. Instead of beating the accident, he was now causing the accident. Well, he got back into form because he was taken out by none other than Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the driver who pisses off everybody. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. shows why nobody likes him. And Anthony Alfredo right now is going for the record for being in the most cautions in a season. Last year, it was John Hunter Nemechek in the same exact car. I think he's trying to go past people like Michael Waltrip and Danica Patrick. We are reaching record numbers, and it's due to consistency from this number 38 car. And then the last thing I want to cover is a quick shout-out to some drivers who ran really good in this race. Let's give a quick shout-out to Daniel Suarez in the number 99 car. Great job by him. He, he was able to do a good strategy and keep his car inside the top 10. And even though he got a top 10, he was still disappointed. He wants to get a victory. This number 99 team in Trackhouse Racing is really starting to impress a lot of people for being a brand new team. And then Bubba Wallace finally getting a top 15 in the number 23 car for 2311. Uh, a lot of people were expecting them to get a top 15 way sooner. Now they finally get it. Gets that monkey off their back. Now they got to get a top 10. But still, a good run for him. He stayed on the lead lap all throughout the race. And then Tyler Reddick finishing 8th once again. Having good, solid top 10 runs. That's exactly what this number 8 team needs to keep doing if they want to stay in playoff contention. But overall, this race was not a bad race. I wouldn't say it's the best race. Definitely probably the 4th or 5th best one. Yes, up front, it wasn't really that exciting. But you know what? In the middle, though, we saw something that we haven't seen in a while for Gen 6 cars, and that was passing. So good race here. Now we move on to Circuit of the Americas. And now it is time for my favorite segment. It is time for the award segment. Time to give out awards for this weekend. Who were some of the best drivers to earn this award or the worst drivers, whichever way you want to look at it. They are still going to get an award. We got four fabulous awards here. One of them has tragically been lost. Hopefully we can recover it soon. I don't know. But let's first start off with an easy one, the Fantasy Award. It's going to be an easy pick for this weekend. It was Kyle Larson. One spot away from the perfect 60, but mm, you were just a little bit short at the end. Hey, you didn't choke like Denny Hamlin does, but you just came up a little bit short and from one of your teammates too. Ooh, that has to hurt a little bit, but hey, here's a nice little award from us. Hopefully that makes you feel a little bit better. Next award we have here is the paint scheme award. Which driver had the best paint scheme? 
for this weekend. Now, there are some good contenders. I think Tyler Reddick's car was actually pretty cool, having the good cat colors on there. His car looked really sharp out there, but it really didn't pop out like you see with most other cars. You also had the number one of Kurt Busch. You know, we're only used to seeing the flat black, so for him to have a different paint scheme at all is actually pretty impressive. So, I'm going to give him an honorable mention for that with his paint scheme. But the winner has to be the winner of this race. I think I got to finally give it to Alex Bowman, that ally machine has been so damn good looking that I've been wanting to give this award for a while and now finally I think it works best now especially when it's in the hands of Mile. I'm just like damn his hand looks 10 times better with that number 48 car on there. So that is why he's going to get the paint scheme award. Give it up for Alex Bowman. He now gets a trophy for winning the race and having a badass paint scheme. Well done for you. And now it is time for the Bum Award. Who was the biggest bum of this weekend? And there's some good quality bums around here. I could give it to Eric Amarola, but that might be a little bit too mean. I mean, it wasn't really his fault. The tire went down. I know who I'm going to give it to, however, is going to be Rick Rare Racing, the owner. The owner's going to get the Bum Award. You know why? Because when you look back at the final results, they only beat three drivers. Chase Briscoe, BJ McLeod, and Eric Amarola. All those guys got wrecked or had a blown engine, and they still couldn't beat the likes of Josh Berry, who got into the wall, Anthony Alfredo, who spun on the back straightaway and hit the inside wall, or Kyle Busch that lost the cylinder. Really? You guys stay out of trouble this whole entire time, and you still couldn't beat those guys? Rick Rare Racing, you gotta get it together. When you finish... 13 laps down in the number 51, then 17 laps down, 18, 19 laps down without getting any damage or having any problems with the car? Come on, son. You know what's the opposite of Rick Henrik finishing one through fourth? That's Rick Rare Racing here at Dover. That's the exact opposite of talent. That is crap. That's a bum award for you. You need to get the hell off the racetrack, but most importantly, you need to take this award and get the hell off my podcast. Now it is time for the most impressive slash top field filler of this weekend. It could go to any driver that I felt like really impressed us overall this weekend. And let's be honest, Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez were good candidates for this award, but we've been expecting them to finish right around here eventually. One driver I did not expect to finish in the 14th position in the Xfinity race was the number 23 of J.J. Yaley. J.J. Yaley's been running for Rick Rare Racing down here in the Xfinity series, as well as a couple races in the Cup series. Now he moves on over to R Motorsports in this 23 car that's unsponsored, has been having really rough finishes. J.J. Yaley comes in here and finishes 14th for this team. He may not be the most talented driver out there. In fact, he was known as one of the worst drivers to come up in the late 2000s. But guess what? Now he's running down here for these smaller teams and he's putting some good finishes together. Exactly what our motorsports with this 23 car needed. So congratulations to JJ Yaley. I think you're well deserving of the most improved field filler award. So give him a round of applause, guys.
Ah, yes, yes, yes. A well-deserved round of applause. Actually, a really good one, even though it's the exact same uh, soundtrack I use every single time. But this weekend is going to be a super exciting one here coming up. Circuit of the Americas, a track we've never, ever been to in the NASCAR Cup Series. I don't think any series has been here for that matter. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're actually going to have practice and qualifying so we can run off of that information as well. I might do a quick little episode probably on Saturday night then, but we are going to do our fantasy picks. It's going to be a little bit tough, but I think it's safe to say we're going to be relying a lot on road course results. Keep an eye on Chase Elliott. He might want to be on your fantasy roster, but there will be other drivers as well you want to include, so make sure to tune in to that, and above all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast. <laughs>